Chapter 37 Man's Dislike of a Present God They say to God, Depart from us. We do not even desire the knowledge of your ways. Job 21 14. The men who speak thus are not atheists. They do not say there is no God. They may be scoffers, blasphemers, and ungodly, but they are not atheists. These people whom Job describes are worldly men. The world, with its riches, possessions, pleasures, and friendships, is their all. They have nothing beyond it, and they don't wish anything else. They are satisfied. They love the world, and are resolved to make the best of it that they can. When anything comes in between it and them, or threatens to prevent their enjoying it, such as pain, sickness, or death, they thrust it away. They don't ask whether the intervention may not, after all, be true and important. It mars their enjoyment of the world, and so must not be for a moment entertained. In our text we have worldliness versus God. For it is worldliness that is speaking out here. It is not man contending against man because of injury or encroachment. It is not man protesting against pain, mortality, or life's brevity. It is man protesting against God. God seems to him as a dark shadow overclouding all his joy. Why is this? 1. Not because God has injured him. He does not pretend that any wrong has been done or has threatened to be done. He does not speak as an injured man, nor plead against God because of injustice. 2. Not because God hates him. He has no reason to conclude such a thing, either from what God has said or what he has done. He cannot point to any mark of hatred. And 3. Not because God has interfered with his prosperity. He is evidently a prosperous man, mighty in power, and the rod of God is not upon him. Verses 7 and 9. It is not because of these things that he says to God, Depart from us. Indeed, he does not hide his reason altogether. We do not even desire the knowledge of your ways. He has no liking for God or his ways, and he looks on him as an obstruction, an unpleasant visitor, a dark cloud, a spoiler of his pleasure. But these worldly men in Job's time were but a specimen of the men of many ages our own as well as others. In these different ages we find a variation in the feeling and in its expression. Sometimes there is more of infidelity in it, or even direct atheism, and sometimes less. But in everything there is a desire to be freed of God, God personally, though perhaps not God abstractly, a desire to thrust Him into a corner of His universe where He will disturb the children of men the least. In the present day, We find this state of feeling widely spread and working not only in the world but also in the church. Men who call themselves Christians lend themselves to cry out, Depart from us. At the bottom of all this feeling is the love of the world. It is this that prompts men to seek to be freed of God. 1. They try to be freed of Him. They tolerate Him afar off but not nearby. They tolerate a religion of uncertainty, but not one of certainty, fellowship, or conscious nearness. They would leave him alone if he would leave them alone, but if not, they raise the cry, Depart. An abstraction, a creed, a system of theology they bear with, because it does not interfere with their worldliness, 
but God himself can only be tolerated as a shadowy, impalpable, far-distant being. To anything else, they say, depart. Two, they try to be freed of his Christ. Some superhuman being, such as paganism delighted in, they tolerate, but not the Christ of God, the Word made flesh. They will admire and sing of a Christ that will assist them in their great endeavor to keep God at a distance, but the Christ that brings God near, that makes his love a reality, and his favor and forgiveness a certainty, they cannot deal with. Three, they try to be freed of his spirit. They dislike the supernatural and don't wish to hear of a world outside their own, from which influences and operations are continually coming to modify things here, or transform men, or protest against sin. The Holy Spirit, as the special expression and representative of the supernatural and divine, in connection with man's nature and soul, they either refuse to believe in or treat him as a mere inspiration, a breath, an influence. Four, they try to be freed of his book. The Bible is God's visible representative and commissioner here. It is the silent protest in every house in favor of God, and thus it is set aside by many or only read for its poetry, morality, and antiquity. To believe as little of it as possible is the object of multitudes. To cast doubt upon its authenticity, to reject its inspiration, to treat it not as a book for this advanced age, these are the ways in which men are seeking to get rid of God's book. And five, they try to be freed of his law. They say it was not for us, but for the Jews. They tell us that the morality of Socrates was higher than that of Moses. They, in a more refined fashion, speak of it as buried in the grave of Christ, so that we have been freed of its exactions and sanctions. No Sabbath for us, the law is dead. No restraint on us, the law is dead. Thus the age tries to be freed of God. It does so because it dreads Him. It has no relish for Him. His presence is a gloomy shadow. His nearness would interfere with all worldly schemes and pleasures. Therefore men say, Depart. The old pagans never said to Jupiter, Depart. They looked on Him as in sympathy with their sins, lusts, and pleasures. But to the living and true God men say, Depart because they feel that they cannot have both him and their sins. They cannot clothe him with the robes of their own worldliness. Yet he has not departed. In love he lingers, seeking to bless. He knows the void his departure makes, and that nothing can fill it. Therefore he lingers, yearning over the sons of men, pleading with them to take him for their portion and all.